God-Centered Emotions is the title of today's message, and a quote by Isaac Watts. To be angry about trifles is mean and childish. To rage and be furious is brutish. And to maintain perpetual wrath is akin to the practice and temper of devils. But to prevent and suppress rising resentment is wise and glorious, is manly and divine. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 3. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covereth shame. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is hasty of spirit exalteth folly. A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. A wrathful man stirreth up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeaseth strife. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh the city. The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, and it is his glory to pass over a transgression. A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. Wrath is cruel, and anger is outrageous, but who is able to stand before envy? A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it in till afterwards. An angry man stirreth up strife, and a furious man aboundeth in transgression. Thank you, Jacob. And thank you, everybody, for attending today. That was beautiful singing and, and beautiful music that Jacob led us in. We also have a beautiful day that the Lord has given us. It's amazing one day here in Lynchburg, it's 65, 70, 75 degrees. And then last night we had below freezing. So we never know what to expect. But it is a beautiful, sun-filled day today. And this is the day indeed that the Lord has made. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day of life you have given us and for the bountiful blessings that just flow from your grace. Jesus, we thank you for going to the cross. Lord, we thank you for giving us the Bible. Lord, we thank you for your Holy Spirit being with us. Father, we thank you for your most wonderful grace and gift that you've given through Jesus, your Son, and that is eternal life. And Lord, our prayer today is if somebody listening to this message is not saved, that even today might be their day of salvation. And Jesus, guide my tongue as I speak today. Forgive the sin in my life that your word is not hindered in the spirit world. And Jesus, we just want to give you all the glory and the honor for your kingdom. And we love you, God. Amen. As Jacob was reading from this handout, we're looking primarily today at verses that deal with the subject of anger and wrath. 
And the title for today's lesson is Having God-Centered Emotions Concerning Wrath and Anger. God wants us to be in control of our emotion. And there are many things that come across our path that can make us emotionally high or low. And it is in God's will that we have somewhat of a control of our emotions. Think about emotions as gauges in our life. If we get into our automobile and we start to drive down the street, the automobile on the dashboard has many, many gauges. One gauge will tell you how much gas you have and when you start to run low on fuel. Another gauge will tell you how many miles you've driven. Now we have GPS systems and the maps actually lead you by gauging your distance to locations. And of course, we still have the meter that tells you if your engine is overheating and you need to pull over. So there are many gauges on the car and these gauges are not driving the automobile for you. They're not guiding you down the highway. They're telling you the condition of the automobile. God gave us emotions and in the same way, they are gauges in our life. They don't guide us. They don't make decisions. But if we look at our emotions and our reaction, we can have a very good gauge of how our Christian walk is with the Lord. That is one of the beauties that God has given us with emotions. But emotions are a two-edged sword. We can have love, joy, and peace in our life, but we can have anger and wrath and clamor in our life. So emotions are both positive and negative. And of course, God wants us to have a temperance, a balance in our life, in all of our activities, and in all of our thoughts, and of course, in all of our emotions. If you look at that verse on the top of page 1, Proverbs 16.3, you will see where it says commit, think, and act. And this is a very succinct verse. Proverbs 16.3 says, Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. Many businesses, at the start of the year, they establish goals. They say we want to make so much money during the year 2018. At the end of every month or at the end of every quarter, those businesses will present the management with a report. And they see how their progress is being made according to the pro forma budget. The same thing goes on with us. If we commit to the actions in our life, if we commit to goals in our life, that forces us to think about that. And then the consequence of that planning and that thinking is the outcome. That's the action. So commit, think, and act. I was discussing this exact verse yesterday with my two teenage boys. And I gave them the example. On Friday, they usually will have some tests in school. And if they don't commit to study during the week, their exam report is not going to be very good. But on Monday, if they commit to set aside one hour each day to study that topic, 
and they actually follow through with it, their test result, the action of their planning and their commitment will be a good test result. And the same thing goes for us as we live each day of our life. Proverbs 12, 16. A fool's wrath is presently known, but a prudent man covers shame. When somebody gets angry, usually that anger is a spur-of-the-moment kind of thing. We say they might fly off at the handle. But wrath is a little bit different. Wrath is kind of having an anger issue that you stew on. And it kind of extends over an extended period of time. Wrath is really a higher level of anger. And we're going to look at a little bit of that. It says a fool's wrath is presently known. Sooner or later, that angry disposition of wrath will show its face. That verse also says a prudent man, a prudent man is a wise man. They cover their shame. So God's word is teaching us that wrath is a form of being shamed. When we express ourselves by flying off the handle and losing our cool or stewing over something over a long period of time, that is to our shame. And a prudent man or a prudent woman doesn't do that. Proverbs 14, 17. He that is soon angry dealeth foolishly, and a man of wicked devices is hated. Certainly all of us in this room have done actions in our life that we did at the spur of the moment and maybe the heat of the passion of anger and we regretted it, sometimes immediately or sometimes later on down the road. We would have regrets over acting foolishly. And it says a wicked man's devices are hated. When we look at the people in the world that impact us, we judge if that is a good person or a wicked person. This verse says the wicked person's devices are hated. We look upon them in the same context and we form ideas in our mind. The wicked people, their end result is people hate them. Proverbs 14, 29. He that is slow to wrath is of great understanding, but he that is of a hasty spirit exalts folly. As we studied several weeks ago, we know that knowledge of the holy is understanding. Reading the scriptures and studying the Bible is understanding. It's understanding the ways of God. This verse is saying, he that is slow to wrath, he that is slow to becoming anger, they have long-suffering, that spirit in them. God says they are of great understanding. And then he also says, he contrasts that with he that is of a hasty spirit exalts folly. My mom said so many times to me when I was a little boy, haste makes waste. And it still applies to me even when I'm older and getting gray hair. Haste makes waste. And so many times the decisions that we make in a hasty attitude they exalt folly. Those decisions, when we look back upon them, we go, oh, how foolish was that decision? Proverbs 15, 1. 
A soft answer turns away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. My daughter, Catania, she has the gift of being able to answer people with a soft answer. And that really is a trait of the Holy Spirit. There are certain people that God gave this gift to them that if somebody comes to them in anger, they can say the right words and it turns the temperature down of that situation. And that's what the Bible is saying. A soft answer turns away that wrath. But also, again, the contrast is grievous words stir up anger. The words that we express where we're not considerate of the other person, those are grievous words. And it's like a stove that has a little knob to turn on the gas and turn it up. The more we add grievous words to that situation, the more we're turning the knob of the flame and the hotter the situation becomes. Proverbs 15, 18. A wrathful man stirs up strife, but he that is slow to anger appeases strife. There are people that can walk into a room and they immediately change the tenor of the atmosphere. Some people can change it into being happy and jolly. There are certain people that I have as friends, if they walk into a room, in two minutes everybody's laughing. They're just having a good time. But there are also people that if they walk into a room, they have such a surly, sour attitude that immediately they can change the environment. And it's just from often the countenance on their face. And these type of wrathful people, they stir up strife. Sometimes you have a bad feeling in your stomach being around these type people. But again, the contrast in this verse is he that is slow to anger appeases the strife. It's almost like the strife is a little fire and somebody that has the Holy Spirit with them, they can get a bucket of water and pour it over that strife. And in the spirit world, they're appeasing that situation. And it becomes more comfortable for everybody that's there. Proverbs 16:32. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he that ruleth his spirit than he that taketh a city. History is full of dictators and conquerors. They can go and siege a city, tear down the walls, and destroy the enemy's armies. These are mighty men. And they are able to take cities and countries and to rule. We see this through thousands of years of history in the books. Jesus is saying here, if you're slow to anger, in his eyesight, you're better than one of these mighty dictators or conquerors. And if you can rule your spirit, that's a difficult thing. Because we're all carnal and in the flesh. And it's easy to be upset. And we all have a certain degree of pride. When we are offended, our prideful nature comes forth. So God says he that rules his spirit is more and better in his sight than that mighty man of the world. Proverbs 19.11 
The discretion of a man deferreth his anger, for it is glory to pass over a transgression. Discretion is a degree of discernment. Discretion is knowing what to do and what to say in the right context and setting. Many people don't have discernment and discretion. And if we lack that in the area, we should pray to the Lord. One of my favorite prayers when I have a meeting is I say, Lord, would you please give me grace on my tongue so that I will know how to answer the people in that setting. This verse is saying, if you can defer your anger, it's to your glory to pass over that transgression. A transgression in God's eyes is an offense of his law. It's a sin. But a transgression in our life might be somebody cutting us off when we're driving down the road. It might be somebody that takes the sugar and doesn't replace it in the sugar bowl. It might be somebody who takes your favorite chair. There are many things that upset us on a day-to-day -day basis. But God is saying, if you have the discretion to overlook those little offenses, that's to your glory. God will honor that. Proverbs 21.14 A gift in secret pacifieth anger, and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. Remember a couple of weeks ago, we were discussing the story of Nabal and his vineyard and his wife Abigail and David who was coming to fight with Nabal because he didn't give him a commission when he was protecting his fields. Abigail had the wisdom to come out and meet David to give him the peace offering and David accepted it. That's a perfect example of this verse. Abigail gave David a gift in secret that Nabal didn't know about and it pacified David's anger. And the reward was that he didn't decimate Nabal's vineyards or perhaps even kill Nabal himself. Proverbs 21.19. This one I get a chuckle out of. And probably the women in the room, maybe the men in the room will get a chuckle too. 21.19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. When we were going over this verse this morning in the junior's voice Bible study, they said, well, what we can do is just run out into the woods and go hunting in our deer stand or whatever. You know, It says it's better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious person. And that is so true. Many of our households are in contentious atmospheres. Our pastor is doing a two-part series on marriage and divorce. Today he was talking about marriage. And many of the home environments are very bad. Many of the home environments in America today end in divorce. They're contentious. God doesn't want our home life to be contentious. He wants us to have a loving environment with our spouse and especially as we raise our children. Because so many times our children and also our grandchildren, they look at us as examples. And they follow in our footprints. I remember our pastor, he was giving a story of when his dad had a farm and in the wintertime there would be snow 
on the ground and he would follow his dad to do the chores. But his dad would take these long strides and he would try to put his feet in his dad's footprints. But his legs weren't long enough to make each step. But even as a little child, he was giving that example of just like in the physical world, he was following his dad. In the spirit world, so many times our children also follow our footsteps. So we have to be very careful that they're not following us as we go into sin. Proverbs 22, verse 8. He that soweth iniquity shall reap vanity, and the rod of his anger shall fail. We know from the Bible that what we sow, we will reap. That God is not mocked. We cannot make fun of him. Here it's saying, he that sows iniquity. Iniquity is sin. Could you imagine a farmer that had a field, and instead of growing wheat and corn and tomatoes and cucumbers, he planted sin. Here's a roll of anger. Look at it. Here I have another roll of wrath. Look, I have another roll of clamor. Here I have another roll of evil speaking. At the harvest time, what would he reap? God is saying in the spirit world, people are sowing iniquity. They're sowing these sins. And they're going to reap vanity. Vanity is emptiness. Vanity has no substance. They will have nothing at the judgment seat but the wrath of God. It says the rod of his anger shall fail. These people that are evil, that we read about, and perhaps see on the news like ISIS, they think they're serving this demon God and doing good, their evilness will fail. There will be nothing in eternity that will benefit them. Proverbs 22, 24. Make no friendship with an angry man, and with a furious man thou shalt not go. So many teenagers that I visit right here in Lynchburg in the juvenile jail, they're gang members. They are associated with other kids and young adults. It's like a family, but what they do is evil. They sell drugs and they commit crimes, and there's no good in those gangs. God says here, make no friendship with an angry man and with a furious man. In the spirit world, these people are fighting God. They're fighting his kingdom. And God says they're furious about their evil. Don't go with them. These are the kind of verses we can share with our children if they're getting on the wrong path. Proverbs 27.4 Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. But who is able to stand before envy? Do you see the progression? Wrath is cruel and anger is outrageous. We don't want to have wrath or anger in our life. But the Bible is saying, who can stand? Who can fight? Who can go against envy? It's almost like envy is a higher level of anger against somebody. So many people that are envious, we call them two-faced. They can say so many nice things to us. And yet they're envious of something about us, whatever that might be. And it's saying, who can stand 
before envy. This is something that can tear us down. As we were discussing this morning in the Bible class, the best way for us to confront somebody like that in our life is to pray for them. It's very difficult to hold on to anger against somebody when you're praying for them. And you can't become bitter with somebody if every day you're offering up them before the Lord. Because that would be a double-minded person. It's very difficult to be angry at somebody and still truly pray for them, for their soul, for God's blessing. Proverbs 29, 11. A fool uttereth all his mind, but a wise man keepeth it till afterwards. Many times, a foolish person will share with you so many intimate details, maybe about their personal life or their business, financial transactions, whatever it might be. They're so open about themselves that you almost scratch your head and you go, you shouldn't be talking like that. There are certain things in life that we have to hold close to our best. But a fool utters all his mind. He doesn't have discernment to guard his tongue. But a wise man, he keeps it in. And it says until afterwards, until the appropriate time to speak, that's when a wise man or a wise woman will share what needs to be shared at the proper time. They never do it in anger. Many times, and this is something I also learned from my pastor many years ago, when we have a big decision in our life, as a minimum, sleep on it at least one day. Don't go to the car dealership and walk away with a title. Sleep on that. Ask God to give you discernment on a decision. Of course, there are much bigger decisions in life than buying a car. What we're going to do with our college and our career. And of course, who are we going to marry when we court? But the biggest decision is if we're truly born again and are we serving our Lord Jesus. Proverbs 29:22. An angry man stirs up strife and a furious man abounds in transgression. This verse is similar to the one we just read. An angry man stirs the pot of strife. Strife is discontentment. And an angry person, it seems like they have these attitudes in their mind and in their heart. And it almost is like a blanket over their soul. And it's a wound to their soul. And it says a furious man, this type of person who's angry, they abound in transgressions. A transgression is a sin. Abound means they're doing much sin. Anger abounds in much sin. Now there's two types of anger. Remember Jesus said, be angry and sin not. So it is possible to be angry and not to sin. But the only times we can be angry and not sin is when we get angry at sin itself and we're offended for the spirit of the Lord because of the damage that evil is trying to do to his kingdom. For example, 
We can be angry at ISIS martyring Christians. We can be angry at abortion clinics that are promoting abortions. We can be angry at people who take drugs and sell drugs and children die. We can be angry at alcoholics when they drive into somebody and kill somebody. As I was sharing with my uncle who was run over by a drunk alcoholic last week when my mom was just a little girl. We can be angry at that. That's a righteous anger. But when you look at all the types of things that make us angry, really, those are a small piece on the spectrum. Most of the time when we get angry, it's because our pride has been impacted. And then that pride rises up and we end up being angry. Let's look at the second page. There's four points here and we'll go through these briefly. The first point is anger is sinful if it's irritation. The second point is anger is sinful when it's a long-held bitterness. The third point is anger is sinful when it results in evil deeds. And then the last point, the fourth point, anger is sinful when it is out of proportion to the offense. We can think back on our life. When we were a child, perhaps we got angry at our brother or sister. Then as we're parents, perhaps we got angry disproportionately with our children. And as we look at the circumstances in our life, we can apply these verses. And as I was looking at things in my life, doing this study this week, I remember things where I had to say to the Lord, will you forgive me? And I was thinking about how inconsiderate I was to people like when I was 21 years old. I can't do anything like talk to those people. In many cases, those people are past already. But I could still take that offense and say, Jesus, will you forgive me? Because remember, all of our sins are against the Lord. People are impacted, but all sin is against God. And we still need to make it right with him. Let's look at the first point. Psalm 37, 4 and 5. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way. Commit. This is like the same verse we started with. Unto the Lord trust in him, and he shall bring it to pass. There are ways we can deal with anger and wrath. And one of the most powerful ways is if we delight ourselves in the Lord. When we delight with somebody, our spouse, our children, maybe our best friends, we enjoy the fellowship. We enjoy the time with them. We need to do the same thing with God. Delight yourself with the Lord and that anger, if it's burning in your soul, is going to become much diminished. Ecclesiastes 7, 9 says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be anger, for anger rests in the bosom, in the heart of fools. In our spirit, this is the little s spirit, don't be quick to make decisions. Slow down. Consider the situations. And perhaps put it off until the next day to be addressed. Don't hold anger in your heart or your bosom and then let the devil have his way. 
We're supposed to make contentions right. In other words, the Bible says, don't sleep on your anger. So you have to have discernment. Sometimes you need to immediately say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And ask the Lord to give you wisdom on what to do. Romans 12, verse 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God for you. When we become angry and harbor wrath, we're conformed to the world. The world is carnal. The world is full of lust and pride. But when we're not conformed to the world, that we take on the Holy Spirit's attributes, we're transformed. And do you notice it says, renew your mind. These are things we think on. We commit, we think, and the actions result. Second point, anger is sinful if it's a long-held bitterness. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, And every man that strives for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Somebody who's a master bricklayer is a very good mason. Somebody who's a master technician, for example, in the automobile industry, they're very good at fixing cars. God is saying we need to strive to be a master of being temperate. Temperate means it's perfectly balanced. We don't go to either extreme. God is saying in the world, many people, they strive to be temperate. So, for example, a doctor will study to learn very well medicine. But God's saying that's corruptible. It's going to end. It has no eternal value. But he's saying we should strive to be masters of that which is incorruptible. And incorruptible is what will not burn up. It's not wood and hay and stubble at the Bema Seat Judgment. And the only thing that is incorruptible is what we do for the Lord. And the most important thing we can do in this season of our life is to pray and delight ourselves in the Lord. Ephesians 4, 31 and 32. This is very specific. This is a very good rule to follow. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Those are all negative spirits. We don't want to be angry, wrathful, clamor, or speak evil, or have malice. Put it away from you. Get away from you. The other side of the coin, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. And why should we do this? Even as God for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. See, the example is the Father sent Jesus to go to the cross to die for us. And when we by faith believe that, God forgives our sins. Everything that we've done against God is a much worse sin than anyone has ever done to us. And if the Father can forgive us, for literally putting his son on the cross for our sins, the least that we can do 
is forgive other people. Ephesians 6, 12 and 13. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. When we are at war with these things like anger and wrath, this isn't a physical fight. It isn't like you can wrestle on the ground with somebody and then your anger's gone. No, this is talking about spiritual warfare. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood. We're wrestling against evil, lust, against Satan, against the demon's fiery darts, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And the only way we can successfully fight in the spirit world is when we take on the total, whole armor of God. We need the breastplate of righteousness. We need the shield of faith. We need the sword of the word of God. But most importantly, we also need to be strong in prayer. The third point, anger is sinful when it results in evil deeds. Evil deeds resulting from anger are usually violent and unrighteous. People murder people when they're angry. People get in fights when they're angry. People run their cars into people and hurt them when they're angry. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 and 5 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation, that's your balance, that's your temperance, be known unto all men. You ask why? Well, this verse said, the Lord is at hand. God is watching. Everything we do, he sees. And if we want to rejoice in the Lord at all times, he will bless us. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Be careful for nothing. Careful means to worry. God doesn't want us to worry. He says, be careful for nothing. But in everything, that means when you get up in the morning, when you have lunch, before you go to bed, in the evening, be careful, don't worry for anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And then the promise and the peace of God that brings understanding will keep your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. Do you see when we're praying to the Lord and we're saying, thank you, God, for everything? It's very difficult to be angry. They just don't go together. God will keep your heart and your mind from anger and wrath. Philippians 4, verse 8, the next verse. Here's another prescription to avoid being angry and full of wrath. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, Think on these things. 
In other words, don't let your mind dwell on the negative thoughts of life. When somebody offends you, when your pride is hurt, don't think on those things because that's what's going to trigger your anger. Rather, think about all those good things that are pure and just and honest and true. That will melt the anger in your heart. The fourth point today, anger is sinful when it's out of proportion to the offense. Many times, there are men that beat their wives. And perhaps their wife did something to upset them. But it's never justified to have violence against your wife. And that is totally disproportionate. And that is total anger out of control. God will judge that. Hebrews 3, 12 and 13. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. People that take anger and they hurt people disproportionate to whatever their perceived offense was, they can have a hardened heart. And indeed, anybody who is physically abusive of somebody else, they already have a hardened heart. God is saying to them, take heed, be careful, beware of the path you're on because you're being hardened through the deceitfulness of sin, through the lie of sin. Everything Satan tells us is a lie and you've bought the lie. Don't go there. 1 Peter 1, 13 and 14. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. When you gird something up, that means you protect yourself. When men would go to battle, they would put on the breastplate and they would put on the girdles to protect their loins. In the spirit world, we do that by drawing nigh to God and saying in the word. And it says, and hope to the end for grace. It's God's grace that allows us to overcome the temptations to be angry and have wrath. And we're looking forward to the revelation of Jesus Christ. One day Jesus is coming. And it seems like it's going to be very soon. And he will reveal his power and his authority. So take God's grace through his blessing and gird up the loins of your mind. The last verse for today, 1 Peter 1, verse 15 and 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. God is giving us a command here. He's saying, I am a holy God. I want all of you to be holy in all manner of conversation. Now, the conversation just doesn't mean what we're saying out of our mouth. Conversation is our attitude. Conversation is where we go during the day. Conversation is who we fellowship, what we view on TV, our thoughts, our attitudes. Conversation is all of our being. 
and what we're doing. God says, be holy in all these manners of conversation, whatever you do, because he is holy. And really, when we are trying to walk in a spirit of holiness by honoring God, it's going to be very difficult to succumb to this evil spirit of anger and wrath. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your precious word that you've given us. Father, thank you for sharing the gospel message with us, the death, burial, and resurrection of your son, Jesus. And Father, thank you for sending Jesus to go to the cross. Jesus, thank you for being obedient to your Father's will. And Holy Spirit, thank you for being here with us today. In the spirit world, Jesus, would you please take away any evil that might be in our mind and heart, such as anger or wrath or envy. And Jesus, let us draw nigh unto you so that we can fellowship more and delight more in your holy presence. And Lord, work mightily in the senior saints' lives this week. Perhaps some of them have doctor appointments or they have to go visit outside of this facility. Lord, be with them. Guard them. Heal their bodies if they're feeling sick today. And I think of Miss Doris, her back sometimes hurts. Please bless her this week. And also protect us as we go to Nepal on Wednesday. And our pastor, he's flying to Africa that very evening. Please be with him. Protect us and let us be effective for your kingdom. We ask all of this in your name, Jesus, the name above all names. We love you, God. Amen. So you are dismissed. Happy Sunday.